This is Father Patrick Griscoe. And this is Father Gregory Pine. And welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all who support us. If you like the show, please consider becoming a Patreon benefactor. You can check that out on our website. Otherwise, please like, subscribe, and share the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Gregory Pine, we have made time today for this episode. Mm-hmm. And making time for this episode is very important because you are a busy man. <laughs> wow. I feel like I'm being set up for the very topic of this particular episode in excellent fashion. So on the one hand, I could say that, yes, I am busy. Um, and in doing so... You feel the club coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I might fall afoul of what we're going to propose in the next 30 minutes. Or I could say, no, 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 I'm not too busy. But I don't know if I actually believe that because I am part of the problem which we are seeking to address. <laughs> okay, unrelated unrelated personal question. Uh-huh. Are you a, a wristwatch wearer? I, I, yeah, I, I'm stammering. Mm. That's the first observation. The second is, yes, I am. I wasn't always because wristwatches destroy habit sleeves. And when I noticed this, um, kind of unequal fraying on the left and the right side, I was horrified, and then I stopped wearing a wristwatch. But then I was looking at my phone too much for the time, and I was like, don't want to do that. So then I just said, fray away, baby. I'm going to wear a wristwatch. So I have an $8 Casio that I got in Switzerland. It's the least expensive thing in the entire country. <laughs> and uh, it occasionally breaks, but that's what you get for 8 Isn't bucks. Casio Japanese movement? Uh, it is. So was that like something intentional against the Swiss? No, I would never. <laughs> okay. Uh, I went to Aldi, yeah. which I think is German. Ah. So it's kind of an international affair. Okay. But yeah, it's already broken three times in the course Analog of the year. Analog or digital? Um, I have to figure out what those are, and then I will say digital. Cool. It's actually right here. Oh, listeners, if you don't already view the podcast on YouTube, <laughs> you should subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can see Father Gregory's $8 <laughs> Casio digital watch. Yeah. Uh, I asked the question because I was once at a seminar about office efficiency mm-hmm. and the presenter insisted that we should look at and or wear analog watches. Fascinating. Because they give you a better sense of time, how it's passing. And because there's something about the spatial dimension of the clock that uh-huh. signifies how time is going to actually pass. Whereas in a digital clock, you can just lie to yourself about how much time is going. Huh. Uh, and you lose track, actually, of how much time is actually passing. So actually, um, I'm about to admit to a little bit of indulgence. Okay, mm. so I have two watches. <gasps> I know. Don't be too horrified. How um, dare you? Exactly. So <laughs> this, I, this uh, listeners to the show, this is the most excess Father Gregory Pine has in his entire religious life. Yeah. That and the pickle he ate last Lent. Exactly. I once <laughs> ate two meals in a single day. Um, <laughs> so I, I have an analog watch. It was a Timex. I'm now going to reveal to you my purchasing strategy. Okay. So I went to Amazon.com. Yeah. I searched men's wristwatch. The Bezos bodega. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then I sorted price low to high. If Father Jacob Birch never <laughs> listens to this episode, he'll be horrified. And then I purchased the first watch that I found. <laughs> Did you, without reading a single review? No, zero reviews. What <laughs> no. I discovered shortly thereafter was that Timex watches tick so loudly that even if you bury them in a drawer covered by a scarf and like, I don't know, if you put a ferret in there that rustles around, you will still hear that watch come hell or high Taking. water. Yeah, so I don't wear that watch that much because it is incredibly loud. And not only am I conscious of time, but I feel like I'm dying with every single ticking. So uh, yeah, I've experienced something of what you described. 
Well, the topic of today's episode is <laughs> uh, about time management strategies. No, not actually. Uh, it's about it's about the reality that you and I have experienced that people say, I'm just so busy. Mm-hmm. So I want to start at the top of it just by looking at the truth of the question. Mm-hmm. Do we think that the observation is true? Are we all so busy? Yeah, so... Um when we were preparing for this episode, you suggested that the only people in the world who are busy are like ER residents or ICU residents, Correct. which is medical professionals <laughs> that literally aren't allowed to sleep for 72 hours, huh? which should give you pause when you think I'm going under the knife. <laughs> I wonder if this resident has had a bit of shut eye. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they, they are busy. I might, um, maybe I'm showing myself to be somewhat liberal in this regard, but I would probably extend the category a little further. Um, living in Washington, D.C., sometimes you interact with Capitol Hill types. And I'm, you know, I'm accustomed to have bags under the bags under my eyes. But then some, sometimes you see people with bags under the bags under the bags under your eyes. And you're like, how many iterations are physically possible? Um, and then there are some young families in parishes where I was assigned previously, where there'd be like seven, eight, nine, ten kids. And they choose to homeschool. And I was like, sweet Christmas, I, I revere you. I... I honor you, but I also am terrified at the prospect of what my life would be like if I were to undertake a similar feat of strength. So there are a couple of people out there who I think are genuinely very busy or crazy busy, as we like to say, but probably not as many as say they are. I don't know. Do you think I've I've widened the scope too far? Uh, I wouldn't say widened too far. I probably accept that. And with with respect to moms, I would even say, you know, listen, two or three kids, uh, yeah. you, you, you are busy. You have no time to yourself. You know, you can maybe lock yourself in a bathroom for a couple minutes and catch your breath. But that seems to be, based on the experiences that are relayed to me, all that you can hope for. Um, so, so, okay, so so I'll, I'll, I'll acknowledge that. But I, but I do think... Um, I do think it is a phenomenon that people want to believe they are busier than they actually are. Mm. I think that is true. I think most people want to believe they are busier than they actually are. And I think part of that is because people are looking for a certain sense of self-security, right? If you have things on the calendar, Mm -hmm. then you know that people want to meet with you. Or if you have emails to reply to, you know that your voice is important. And so I think that uh, it's certainly a risk for young professionals, um, for people starting out in the workplace, to to desire the packed calendar so as to um, garner promotions and accomplishments and achievements. And, and with that comes, you know, most importantly, security. Mm-hmm. Not, not just job advancement. I'm talking about looking for purposefulness. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's part of the drive for busyness that, that 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 we're actually confusing something here uh we are insisting that we are busy as a way to address the deeper question which is that i'm looking for meaning mm-hmm. that i'm looking for purpose in my life yeah no i think that sometimes it's easier to get busy than it is to kind of get into the nitty-gritty of your actual life because there are parts of life not, not that they're unsavory, but they're maybe a little bit boring or unromantic or unglamorous. Um, and rather than deal with that or confront that, we buffer ourselves from that recognition and maybe even eventual reception of our true selves by just getting involved in all kinds of other extracurriculars. 
So I think it's, it's not, you know, we're Americans. I don't know how much we're committed on a speculative level to nihilism. I think that sometimes, though, it is an exercise in practical nihilism. Uh, I don't really think that these other things matter too terribly much. So I do these other things because they make me feel like something matters. Um, and we might not always be thinking about that at a conscious level, but it's kind of at work in the logic of our engagement. Um, and it's easy to, to drift in that direction because from a young age, we find ourselves doing things for ancillary reasons. So I didn't really want to be part of the French club, but I was told that you needed a well-rounded resume in order to be accepted to college. So I joined the French club and I ate an incredible amount of crepes slathered in Nutella. Um, now, mind you, I applied to one <laughs> school, the acceptance rate of which was, I don't know, a billion percent, um, <laughs> with all due regard to Franciscan University of Steubenville. So it turns out I didn't need to do that. But that, that, that changed me as an individual because I began to think about what I should do for reasons other than, I don't know, my vocation, you know, like my identity and mission or in life. Or personal preference. Yeah, or yeah. personal preference, just like desire, right. enjoyment, simple right. stuff, right? Staying closer to home without becoming selfish, mm. ideally. Um, and I think that we, we all find ourselves just committing to stuff without any real reflection as to what this represents in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I think the high school experience is important because that's where a lot of it starts. And then we live that in the undergrad experience, right? Mm. Like when you're an undergraduate, you have more time for yourself than any other human being alive. <laughs> <laughs> and yet undergraduates simultaneously manage to be some of the busiest people that there are. And like when I was in college, I was constantly running around and doing whatever, you know, whether, whether it was just uh, things with friends, whether it were, whether it was for causes on campus that I wanted to support, um, it did, didn't matter, you know, um, and certainly in, in my time as a chaplain at Providence College, that's what I saw students wanting to be involved in a lot of things, the motives for which they were involved varied. Um, and I think there's an invitation to, for some self-reflection there to say, why is it that I, why is it that I really want to do this thing? Um, what, what is it that's driving me? And to be able to learn to be honest um, on the front side of it, to say like, well, I just would prefer not to be with these people. Mm. <laughs> there's, no, there's no reason that I have to. Uh, I can't actually because my time is limited. And so learning to say no to those things um, is super important. And our pride can stand in the way of that, right? We don't want to let other people down. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there, there, would be, there would be other reasons. But I, I wonder if you might pick up that thread a little bit. Like well, what are the kinds of things that drive us to insist on involvement? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating because people often characterize um, this present age or this generation as fearful of commitment or unwilling to commit. And you see this in a variety of ways, whereas our grandparents may have worked for the same company for 35 years and have a pension with them. Right. Um, our, our generation will bop from here to there to whatever else uh, with pretty quick turnaround because they're not as much identifying with the corporation itself or with the mission uh, and instead, they're thinking about it in terms of personal advancement, you know, and it might be for very noble reasons, but still, we have to notice that difference. Um, and, and so you have this kind of problem with commitment, and yet we're very quick to give our yes. And in what sense have we, in fact, given our yes, if we're likely to pull our yes back, right, mm. or to flake out on our yes or whatever. But like, right. um, yeah, like you said, you mentioned some great things. So I don't want to let other people down. Or I feel buoyed up by the fact that I was solicited 
for this thing or that I was consulted for this thing oh, yeah, or yeah. I was Everybody a steam expert on this thing. You know, it's like, we need you here because otherwise we're just not going to get along. It's like, well, is that? no, no. Okay, so so, th- so there's that on the one hand. And then there are other of, of us or parts of our lives that we want to control, you know, that we want to curate, that we want to make sure is just so. Like, for instance, um, if you know a little bit about how to drive this car, you're less likely to hand the keys over to somebody else who might do it differently. Um, Or if you know how this tech works, you're nervous about letting somebody else man the controls because you know like what buttons need to be pushed or how it needs to be manipulated. And I think a lot of us experience that with life more broadly. Like I know how this is going to go if I do it, but if I let somebody else do it, I don't know how it's going to go. We might in humility admit that they could do it better or at least as well, but I think a lot of us instinctually think that they're not going to they're not going to do it quite as well. Right? So, I know, you know, so there's that. Um, or it becomes difficult to prepare someone so that they can do a job. Uh, yeah. And you say like, well, rather than rather than go through all the steps to involve this other person, I'll just take care of it myself because I don't want to invest in actually training and preparing them well. Yeah, yeah. So I think people encounter that situation quite a bit, especially in, th- in things, you know, like parish volunteering. Like rather than help someone out to learn this new system, to find a key, to understand how the, how the, how the room should be left at the end of the meeting or whatever else, people just take care of it themselves. Yeah. And then, then you face a kind of exhaustion or burnout that, that the groups suffer from mm-hmm. because of the, the unwillingness to, uh, to, well, let all the flowers flourish, we might say. Yeah. Yeah. I think that w- when I reflect on this particular issue in my own life, um, right now I have a very specific kind of busyness, which I am willing to admit, uh, because I'm trying to safeguard, uh, my working hours or the typical working hours from eight in the morning until seven at night for my dissertation. So I'm pushing a lot of other things to the periphery and I'm making those zones to be busy, but I'm trying to do it to create a space in which to dedicate myself to this one project. Um, but when I think about it, yeah, in terms of my own life, I have to know who I am and what I am for. You know, in other words, I need to know my identity and my mission so that I can give a yes, yeah, my, which reflects yeah. that. And I can give a no, which reflects that without, without becoming just a slave of my own personal preference, which may or may not be redeemed at this stage in my life, or without being a slave of the caprice or whim of those who proffer the invitations, or without becoming just shipwrecked and storm tossed by whatever comes up in the most recent iteration of my life. Like I want to have a sense of who I am and what I'm for. So that way I can be about it. Uh, and you know, I'm going to make mistakes, but I want to be able to cultivate that. And I feel like that's something that it just takes time. Right. And it takes, takes growth, but that's a harder thing to, uh, to engineer. <laughs> now we've talked a lot so far about just like, you know, cultural or philosophical causes, you know, in some of our analysis here, but it, can you speak to father Gregory, just how this really impacts the spiritual life? Yeah. You know, this question of busyness, well, what's at stake um, for our souls, for our life with God here? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I was thinking about this recently in terms of friendship. Okay, so let's say that we're friends. Uh, we don't have to let's say that. We can just assume that. We can just... For the record, listeners, Father Gregory and I are friends. Yeah, bingo. Okay, <laughs> we are so friends together. That should be clear. Father Joseph Anthony, sometimes our friend, <laughs> you know, sometimes not. <laughs> for those of you watching on YouTube with the fourth camera directed at the console or, you know, control, he's there. Okay, so... Um, so when you have a friendship, you want to be, what's the word that we would use? Disponible. You want to be available to the other nice. person? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, so you want to be available to the other person. And if you have to schedule every engagement with the other person, then 
Yeah, it just places a little bit of strain or a little bit of tension on the on the relationship. Like when I call you and when you call me, it doesn't really matter too terribly much what's going on. You typically pick up and I try to pick up insofar as my phone is not on do not disturb. <laughs> because it's like, this is my friend, you know? You might be in the middle of something else and you might have planned out this work period that's supposed to last X number of minutes, but it's like, this is my friend. I want to have a space in which I can welcome my friend and I can be welcomed by my friend. So you, you make it happen because... That's what life's for, to make it happen for the other whom you love. Mm. Um, but if we were in our relationship, if we always had to schedule every encounter that we had, yeah, that'd be brutal, right? It would just mean that we would have fewer encounters and those encounters that we did had, did had, that we done did had, uh, would be just different. You know, it'd just be of a different sort, a different quality. Mm. And, and, and such is decidedly the case in our relationship with the Lord. You might say to me, well, Father Gregory, I have my holy hour every day, and I say the five liturgy of the hours and recite five decades of the most holy rosary and celebrate a mass, right? So it's tock, 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 I've got my relationship with God. But Father Patrick, we've had this conversation before, it's more than that, right? Because right. not only are we supposed to be available to God in this moment or that moment, but wholly and entirely throughout the course of our lives. Granted, we can get better at that, or we can grow in that disposition. But if we're constantly scheduling up our lives such that we only ever think of God in those moments that we have scheduled for Him, then something is lost, right? We're, we've, we've lost that Godward gaze that Father James Brent always talks about, um, which we're seeking to recover in a life of redemption. Um, because ultimately, we want to have enough bandwidth, to speak in crass internet terms, to be able to refer all of our life's activity to Him. But if it becomes so busy that that's not possible, then we're lost. We're just adrift on a sea of perpetual motion, but we're made for more than that. But you have better thoughts about this, further thoughts about yeah, this. Yeah, well, I did too. I mean, that that I obviously agree very much <laughs> <laughs> with everything you just said. And all God's people said, amen. Uh, that That's that's my official response to, to that fabulous narrative. It's something that I have to ask myself about all the time because I live in the, the universe of Catholic mania. Yeah, yeah. And I think there are a lot of people where uh, they have a similar job, you know, not that they work in Catholic media because there aren't that many of those jobs, um, nor should they like go, you know, work for an investment banker and provide for your family or something. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but, but you do have the reality, right, of, of things that are making impositions on you, you know, such that you feel like, okay, how do I actually how do I actually get that kind of freedom? You know, if I'm not in the media business, if I'm not checking my phone constantly, I might miss something. And mm -hmm. if I miss something, then we lose viewers or a story or, you know, and then, then the whole thing spirals out of control. Um, at least in my mind as an editor, <laughs> <laughs> one missed tweet equals, you know, the end of my project, um, which is not true, but, but that's certainly how I am tempted to feel about it sometimes. And I think that's how a lot of people feel about their, about their jobs or other responsibilities that they have in life. Um, so how is it, how is it that we can work to, to find God in those things so that there's less of a, you know, my, my responsibilities versus my time with God tension. Um, so I, I think that's the subtle argument of the, of the, well, that's what's underneath the busyness argument. Mm -hmm. You know, I have, I have a certain set of obligations. I'm trying to moderate them and manage them in light of making myself available for God. Um, how do I do that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I have a, a grand plan or that I have a well-crafted theory, but I've begun to have particular encounters in which it was made known to me, this is the way. Uh, so recently we were at Seek, uh, and 
there was one point in which I was chatting with a friend, uh, a religious sister, just uh, an excellent woman who I love very much. But it's, it's one of those few opportunities that we have to chat because she lives in another country. Um, and so we're just sitting on a bench chatting, but we were right outside of the room where they have prayer teams. And the gentleman who was responsible for staffing prayer teams came up to us and he said, well, you know, Sister Father, would you be able to contribute to prayer teams at this particular moment of the day? And it was right around like 1130, noon, you know, so midday-ish. Sister was going off to a vocations panel or something like that in 15 minutes. So mm-hmm. she very politely and respectfully explained that and then demurred. And he turned to me and I just said, no. <laughs> I'm just heartless enough to know that I have zero desire for that. And not, not just like, it's more than just desire or affinity. It's like, that's not for me. Right. Um, in the sense that it was the last day of a really long week, which was super intense, apostolically very fruitful, interpersonally very charged. Uh, and I was just toasted and I just wanted to be with my friend. Mm. That was it. And I don't feel like you have to apologize for that. Because I feel like, I said that I feel like maybe I just assert, because it's about friendship, right? It's about, it's about this. Uh, this is the most basic unit of Christian encounter, of Christian communion. And I can't just be led into a ministerial setting on account of the fact that I am a priest, and by virtue of my ordination, I should be generous at all times and at all places. And because of priestly character, I have been ordained to just say, no, it's just, just, just be human, Right. And then the Lord's grace and ordination will perfect you in light of that fact. Just be honest before him about who you are and what you're for, and things will take more uh, definitive or clear shape. So, yeah, there have just been little moments recently where I feel like I have a better sense of who I am and what I'm for. It's not just a mere matter of saying yes to everything, it's, nor is it a mere matter of saying yes to everything that you physically can. It's a matter of saying yes to those things which are in concert with how God is loving me in this time and in this place and in these circumstances, because he loves me in a personal way, in a particular way, and his love has concrete effects in my life, and it shapes my identity, and it shapes my mission, and I need to be responsive to that. Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know what's exactly going to happen. It won't be terrible, because the Lord isn't setting traps, but it'll be, it'll be less wonderful mm-hmm. uh, than the vocation that he has in store. Yeah. I don't know. You're better at saying no than I am, so... Not in the sense that you have less to do because you have more to do than sometimes. I have. Yeah, well, you just get you get <laughs> that, a lot more kind. things asked of you. I'll, I'll say uh, that, that that you thank you. That was very nice of you to say. <laughs> but I do think, yeah, I think I think that that you that the point that you're making is the fundamental point that every Christian should embrace, which is that by saying no to something, we're not saying no to God mm-hmm. necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like the prayer team argument, I think is important. The situation you just gave because. That could, at first glance, sound just brutal, you know, heartless, a denial of priestly <laughs> vocation. And you realize, well, that's not actually what's going on there. And so I think parents need to find ways to translate that, um, you know, in their own lives, because it can feel like when you say no to your child that you're saying no to the way that you've been called to love. Mm. Um, that's not true. Uh, if you're trying to take care of an ailing parent, um, do you always have to be at their side? The answer to that is no. Um, and that there are... That there are that there are zones of freedom here that we can and have to pursue because those are actually zones of authentically loving God, right? Um, yeah. Now we had a concrete experience of this as kids because our parents insisted that we only play one sport a season. Now oh, when you're wow. when you're oh, little, wow, yeah, that's when, intense. Yeah, that's a big rule. It was cool, mm. but when you're little and you're looking at these sports icons and you're dreaming of the day when you'll be as good at basketball or baseball as them. You feel like I have to do the, 
you know, CYO team or the intramural team. And then I have to do the travel team. And then I have to do the school team. I have to do all the things that my contemporaries are doing right. because otherwise I'll fall behind and I won't be as good. And then I won't get the college offer. And then I won't go on to dot, dot, dot. Now, anybody with half a brain could have looked at me at the age of nine and said, wow, what a gangly baby giraffe. <laughs> that tall child will amount to nothing. Um, right. So like I wasn't destined for a future of athletic prowess. Yeah, the Eagles have done pretty well without you. Yeah, this exactly. year. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. no, it's fine. <laughs> never, never that fast, never that strong and never that coordinated. God be praised. Um, but my, my parents, you know, encouraged me to be as good at this sport as I was willing to be good at this sport. Uh, but they limited it. They said, no, because this isn't going to take over your life so that you can live in a fantasy world in which you become an excellent basketball player or baseball player. Cause uh, but we want to encourage you within bounds because there are good things to be learned from sports. You can become virtuous in certain ways. And certainly failing in a systemic way is really good for a little child's ego mm -hmm. because you are not the center of the universe, despite what you might think. And you're going to lose like 29 out of 30 times because only one person wins the Super Bowl. I mean, one team wins the Super Bowl and, and 31 teams lose. And that's just something you need to be a cut. So, OK, good things to be learned from sports. That's a tangent. Um, but it has to take place within bounds. Because unless you can say no, you're not free to be present to your family or do other things that are worthwhile and noble pursuits. Maybe at church, maybe not. I sang in the Life Team Band, um, which I would not say I was especially good at either. <laughs> yeah, there was one point at which I was singing in the Life Team Band after a cross-country district meet where we had bleached our hair. No, it was a cross-country state meet where we had dyed our hair blue. Yeah, there was some blowback for that. Uh, regardless of how short were your shorts during that mass? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me. I don't want to know. I was wearing pants. <laughs> okay. Uh, thank yeah. You. Yeah. But I think that that's, that's, that's a huge thing to be taken from life that yes, it's good to experience it, but we as human beings are limited and our engagements need to reflect the limitations of our humanity such that we can be wholly given, uh, wholly abandoned to the Lord, uh, in this time and in this place and in these circumstances. Well, with that, Let's allow ourselves to be brave enough to fail, <laughs> to trust that Jesus has saved the church. Jesus has saved all of our ministries that we participate in. Jesus has saved our families. Jesus has saved our friendships, and it's not up to us. Yeah. Uh, let's entrust all of that to him. Um, if you're interested in reading more about this, Father Gregory wrote a, re a recent article for our Sunday Visitor that's fabulous about um, having a plan of life, which I think is kind of a related theme. Yeah. You can check that out at OurSundayVisitor.com. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to God's Planning. Please like, subscribe, and share this episode if it was helpful to you. Even if it wasn't, you should, you should do that because it's the right thing to do. Uh, leave us a five-star review, your reviews, um, especially when you write a comment about the show. Honestly, it's a huge boon to us. We, we, love, seeing the, we love seeing the comments. Um, but more importantly, it helps other listeners find the show. Uh, consider checking out our Patreon benefactor levels and uh, decide whether or not being a monthly supporter of us could be for you. Otherwise, all the latest about the show is available at godsplaining.org. Sounds right. Com. Net. <laughs> .ca. Godsplaining has gone Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us. God bless. Mm -hmm.